Welcome to the NASCAR Field Filler Podcast, where you can get the latest results, fantasy picks, and news every week in the NASCAR racing world. We just got one more spot left to fill, so let's give it to our host. Here he is, Vanilla Wafers. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the back of the field. This is Vanilla Wafers, and thank you for tuning in to the Field Filler Podcast. We just came back after a little break here in the cup season, and NASCAR went to Nashville Super Speedway for the 17th race of the 2022 season, and we got quite a bit to talk about. It was actually a really good race. I wouldn't equal it similar to the Coca-Cola 600, but it was still a race worth watching. The intermediate tracks with the next-gen cars have definitely, definitely went above and beyond our expectations. Yes, the race may have took a little bit longer to finish. We'll talk about that here shortly, but we got a lot of ups. We got a lot of downs. We got a lot of drivers we need to give recognitions to, both good and bad, and we have three races to talk about, so why don't we dive into it? Let's first start off with the Camping World Truck Series race that happened on Friday. It is time to dive into the final results for the 14th race of the 2022 season, the Rackley Roofing 200. Alrighty, so a bit of statistics that we're going to dive into before we look into the final results. We had a total of 42 trucks try to make it into this race. That's right, 42. And only 36 could race into the main event. So here's the six that did not make it in. We got the number 32 of Brett Holmes, the number 90 of Justin Carroll, the number 10 of Jennifer Joe Cobb, the number 84 of Clay Greenfield, the number 26 of Tate Fogelman, and the number 14 of Trey Hutchins. Very disappointing to see all six of these trucks not able to make it because all of them are part-time. Quite a few of them are trying to make their first race of the season. And one of them is trying to make their truck series debut. Unfortunately, none of them were able to make it through. So hopefully we see them in a later race, maybe mid-Ohio, as that's the next race on the schedule. Eight cautions for 43 laps out of the schedule, 150 laps. About 30% of the race was ran under caution. Kind of typical here for the truck series. And we had seven lead changes amongst four different drivers. I'm actually surprised there was that many lead changes because it was really down between two different drivers. And that was Zane Smith and Ryan Priest. Who was able to get the victory at the end? How about the number 17 of Ryan Priest for David Gillen Ray? Leading 74 laps in this race, gets his second win here in the Truck Series, as well as his second win at Nashville in the Truck Series. Yes, he's only won at Nashville, and he takes on the checkered flag here in the 14th race of the 2022 season. Finishing second, we have the mentioned number 38 truck of Zane Smith. Finishing third was the number 42 of Carson Hosefar. Finishing fourth, we have the number 66 of Ty Majeski. In the fifth spot was the number 52 of Stuart Friesen. Finishing sixth, we have the number 98 of Christian Eckes. Finishing seventh was the number 16 of Tyler. Ankrum finishing eighth. How about this? Max Gutierrez. He was able to finish eighth in his race. Very good run by him. Finishing ninth was the number four of John Harnemanchek. And rounding out the top ten, we had the number 88 of Matt Crafton. Noticeable drivers who finished outside the top ten. Last year's champion, the number 99 of Ben Rhodes, finishes 12th in this race. Chandler Smith in the 18 is credited with the 15th position. We got Parker Kligerman in the number 75. He finishes 20th overall in this race. Moving down the roster, top 09 in the number 62. He finishes 27th overall in this race, finishing 
two laps down with Haley Deegan right behind him finishing six laps down in that number one truck. Matt Benedetto gets into an accident late in the race. He finishes 31st overall. Corey Heim also gets into an accident after an impressive run. He finishes 33rd. And rounding out the field, out by lap number one due to rear gear issues, we have Chase James in the number 46 truck. I do believe it was Chase's debut, and unfortunately it ends in just one lap. And that is your final results here for the Rackley Roofing 200. Let's start with some of the biggest takeaways. I think the first one we got to talk about is with Ryan Priest himself. I think with him, it's safe to say that if you put him in decent equipment down here in the Xfinity series or the truck series, he's going to get you victories. Because I already know a handful of races that I can think about off the top of my head that he could have went into victory lane. It has been impressive what he's been able to do in the 17 truck. It's funny how he's gotten both of his victories here in the truck series, both at Nashville. But I mean, look at Texas. Look at Charlotte. Competitor in both of those races. Las Vegas, he finished fourth. His worst finish in the truck series ever is an 11th place finish. And that was the finish where he made contact with Carson Hosevar and had a lot of damage to his truck. The fact that he was able to finish 11th was very impressive. Look down in the Xfinity Series with BJ McLeod. Just in this recent race, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but he finished in the top five. And then at the Charlotte race in the Xfinity Series, he finishes fifth. Just a phenomenal driver. If he ever gets an opportunity in some top equipment to run full-time, whether it's the Cup Series, Xfinity Series, or Truck Series, you got yourself a great racer here. Uh, of course, when he was with the number 37 car uh, in the last couple of years, maybe his results weren't the best. But, I mean, JTG Dortry Racing is not top-tier equipment. But David Gillen Racing, JR Motorsports, Joe Gibbs Racing, all those equipments are fairly decent. And look how many times he's finished in the top five. Absolutely great performance by him. And hopefully he gets a full-time ride next year. Another big takeaway from this race, Zane Smith acquires the points lead and it's just proven to everyone that he is going to be the driver to beat for the Truck Series Championship. I mean, holy crap. How many times has he been a factor in each of these races? Some of the times he's not mentioned too much, but he just sneaks his way up near the top of the charts. And that's what you look for in a Truck Series champion. He already has multiple victories in the year. Almost got another victory here. My gosh, Zane Smith in that number 38 truck. Hopefully they play it smart with him. I don't want to see him get moved up rather quickly into the Cup Series because I know whoever drives his 38 truck just somehow just ends up in that spot. Hopefully that is not the case. But right now, Zane Smith is proving that him being in a full-time ride was an absolute must for team owners. And Front Row Motorsports jumped on it, and they are being paid well for it because Zane Smith just a top competitor right now, and it's going to be hard to take him down for the championship. Uh, something crazy is going to have to happen during the playoffs if anyone's going to be able to compete against him. I know John Harnimacek has been close to him as far as the points go, but John Harnimacek has not been anywhere close when it comes to contending for wins like Zane Smith has. That 38 truck... You just got to watch out for them because they are on fire. And what Zane Smith was able to do at the end of the 2021 season, put himself as a factor for the championship four. Now he's with even better equipment. Whew. Zane Smith is on absolute fire and a driver that you need to keep an eye on. Drivers who had a really bad finish in this race that we need to talk about, Matt Benedetto and Grant Enfinger. Grant Enfinger before this race was comfortably had a big cushion between him and 10th in points. That is not the case anymore. Now you got Derek Cross who sits at 350 points in the driver's standings 
only about 39 points away from Grant Enfinger. Now, that is pretty crazy because he had a whole race and a half ahead of him. Now, he's about only 39 points. That's only one race. If he has another bad race, he's right there on the cut line. And then what happens if one of these drivers who are outside the top 10 in points gets a victory? Well, then it locks them into the playoffs. And then now you got Grant Enfinger bumped out. Hopefully, that is not the case. Grant Enfinger has been putting on some great races in that number 23 truck. But now he's kind of in a spot where it's a little bit worrisome. There's not that many races before the playoffs here for the truck series. So he's got to be very smart in these next few races. Doesn't want to be too risky, but he doesn't want to finish anywhere near the back in any of these races. No longer top 10 finishes would lock him in right now. But man, losing that many points in a race, always devastating. And the, But the biggest devastator was Matt Benedetto. Now he is about a full race behind, maybe even two races behind Matt Crafton. It's a lot of points between him and the cutoff line. 62 points. He's now in a must-win scenario if he wants to make it into the cut. And that is really bad for all the Matt Benedetto fans because if he's ever going to get a shot back in the X-Fandy Series or the Cup Series, I mean, if he can't even make it into the playoffs here in the Truck Series then this might be the beginning of the end for Matt DiBenedetto if it hasn't happened already. So really rough turnout for him, a lot of bad luck, and now he drops another position, now 13th in the points. Now he has to pass Tyler Ankrum, Derek Cross, to get up to Matt Crafton. He's in a must-win scenario. I think there's just no other way for him to make it in at this point, and that is definitely the spot that you do not want to be in as a Truck Series driver. Overall, the racing here was all right. Nothing too special here. I mean, if you do want to watch it, the battle between Ryan Priest and Zane Smith, you can do so on the highlights. But in the end, it was really just down between two drivers in this race. The only driver who had a remote chance against them was Corey Heim, but he got caught up in that accident on lap number 126 with Grant Enfinger. So it just wasn't meant to be for him to contend up front. But really good result for Ryan Priest. Now let's move on into the next race that happened on Saturday. This is the 15th race of the XFINDY series in the 2022 season. It's time to dive into the final results for the Tennessee Lottery 250. Alrighty, so in this race we had 41 cars attempt to make it in, which meant three cars had to go home and miss the main event. Those three cars being the number 91 of Mason Massey, the number 47 of Brandon Poole, and the number 99 of Matt Mills. Some devastating blows to some of these lower-end teams. They're going to try again going into Road America to make it into the race. I do believe the 47 car will be driven by Ryan Vargas, so just a little bit of news for you for the future race. We had five cautions for 27 laps. Not that many cautions in this race. The percentage for that was about... Eh, about 13%. Like I said, not that much at all. And we had 13 lead changes amongst five different drivers. In the end, though, the driver who just dominated the race was able to take home the checkered flag. He was well-deserving of this win. I am talking about the number seven of Justin Allgaier for JR Motorsports led 134 laps out of the schedule, 188 laps. He won stage one, he won stage two, and he won the 15th race of the 2022 season. Finishing second, we have the number 18 of Trevor Bain. Finishing third was the number 98 of Riley Herbst. Finishing fourth, we had the number 54 of Ty Gibbs. Finishing fifth was the number one of Sam Mayer. In the sixth spot, we had the number five of Ryan Priest. Good run for him. And also a good run for the number 26 of Jeffrey. Earnhardt. Finishing 8th was the top finishing rookie, the number 21 of Austin Hill. In the ninth spot was the number 39 of Ryan Sieg. And then rounding up the top 10, we have the 0-2 
of Brett Moffitt. So noticeable drivers that we should mention who finished outside the top 10. Noah Gregson in the 9 finishes 13th. Brandon Jones in the number 19 finishes 14th. Then you got A.J. Allmendinger in the 16 finishing 16th. And then Daniel Hemrick, last year's champion, finishing 17th. And then moving down the roster, Tyler Reddick in the number 48 did not have a good finish as he finishes 21st overall in this race in that number 48 car. Natalie Decker is able to make a return here to the Xfinity Series. Unfortunately, finished multiple laps down and finishes 32nd overall in this race. Sheldon Creed gets caught up in an accident on lap number 124. He finishes 36th overall with Jeb Burton slightly ahead of him in the 35th spot, caught up in the same accident. And then rounding up the field, out to power issues, Kyle Weatherman in the number 34 for Jesse Iwuji Racing. He is out and he's credited with the last position overall here in this race. And that's your final results here for the Tennessee Lottery 250. So the first thing to talk about, biggest takeaway, Justin Allgaier is going to be on an absolute tear here in the next few weeks. Would you believe me that his worst finish in the last six races has been a seventh place finish at Charlotte? All the other races in the top five. And one thing that he has done in the past few years during the summer stretch is absolutely kick ass. I think his worst finishes during the summer stretch have always been at Road America. Now, I know that's the next race, so maybe we'll see how he does in this race. But other than that, he is almost guaranteed to finish in the top 10 for the next six races. I'm really excited to see what he can do. You could see Justin Allgaier potentially get into victory lane up to five times if he is able to run this consistent like he's done in the past because this is the strongest I've seen him in quite a while. He has been super strong. Yes, there's been some bad luck here and there, but right now he is not seeing that. And one thing that you always see with NASCAR drivers, momentum is huge in the sport. So going into the summer stretch, Justin Allgaier is now the new guy to beat. Another driver that we need to mention in this race that really did impress us was Trevor Bain. Yes, he finished in the second position, and I know I'm talking about the first and second already in both races, but let me tell you about Trevor Bain. Trevor Bain is only running a part-time schedule, and... I'm going to be honest with you. I thought Trevor Bain was done after he was let go from Roush Racing in kind of an embarrassing way where they just cut his schedule in half all of a sudden and had Matt Kenseth run some of the races while he tried to finish out his contract. That's a terrible way to go out. And then he ran a few races for Nice Motorsports. It was very shocking to hear they got another opportunity with Joe Gibbs. And right now he's doing fairly decent. It's kind of a shame that he hasn't gotten to victory lane yet. But if he gets more opportunities, that he might be able to finally secure a win in that number 18 car. But very impressive runs for him. It, it, definitely throwing him in that number 18 car was not a mistake. Hopefully this leads to a full-time ride. I don't think it's going to be with Joe Gibbs Racing. But who knows? Maybe a Toyota group will pick him up. And we can see him running back full-time in the 2023 season. Good overall run for him. A driver who also had a really good run in this race, Ryan Priest. I already talked about him in the Truck Series race. Able to finish sixth. This is with BJ McLeod Motorsports. Not the strongest team in the world, but Ryan Priest, like I said, you put him in any type of equipment, he can do the best with it here in these lower series. And he does it once again with a sixth place finish. And how about that number 28 car of Parker Retzloff? Unbelievable what he's able to do here in this car this is rss racing second to third car and we already see ryan sieg able to finish in the top 10 just barely usually that second car struggles but whenever parker retzloff is in this car 
it runs really, really well. He is able to finish 12th once again. I hope next year he gets a full-time ride with this team because he's very consistent in this car. I mean, holy cow. Able to finish on the lead lap where drivers behind him like Noah Grayson, Brandon Jones, AJ Allmendinger, Daniel Hemrick, Landon Castle, none of them were able to finish on the lead lap. But he was. And he has, like I said, been finishing between 10th and 16th almost every single race he jumps into this RSS car. So great run by him and someone that I want to see next year in a full-time ride because he definitely deserves it. And one last quick shout out, how about the number 77 team of Dylan Bassett able to make it into this race? Uh, one thing this team has been absolutely struggling with, and that is qualifying into races. They've been trying to make it into the Xfinity series for races here and there since the start of the 2021 season. Now they finally make it in, and it wasn't easy for them. I mean, they had to drop some teams who you kind of expect to make it into the race, like the number 99 team and the number 91 team. I don't expect them to miss out on these races, but they did, and Dylan Bassett was able to make the most of it. He was able to finish in the top 30, while many people may not think that that's that impressive, but he had a really clean car. He stayed out of trouble. I only finished a few laps down for a very small team, but they were able to make it in. You got to give a shout out for that for sure. Now let's talk about some drivers or teams that let us down in this race. One being Tyler Reddick in the number 48. I don't care um, who you are. If you're in the Cup Series and you move down to the Xfinity Series to get some practice and you finish outside the top 20, that is not a good luck. This is easily a race that Tyler Reddick wants to forget. He knows he's had better finishes in the past when it comes to the Xfinity Series. I mean, he's won championships down here, so not a good run for him and one he's going to definitely want to move on from. And then Sheldon Creed. Man, Sheldon Creed right now cannot catch a break. He's had some great runs here in the Xfinity Series, but... It's his execution at the end of the race that's really hitting him hard. And this is another prime example of that. Finishes 36, get caught up in an accident with Joe Graff Jr., Jeb Burton, and multiple other drivers. It's just a heartbreaker. You know, you want to see him finish more in the top 10 or top 5. He's capable of doing that. I mean, look at his partner. He's been able to do that. Sheldon Creed, he just needs some more luck in his direction. Who knows? Maybe Road America will change things around for him. He has some really decent results when it comes to road courses. So I hope he can get a better result there but man just another wreck out race is never good for um, a rookie driver who's trying to make it into the next level another person that I need to mention that kind of let us down in this race that we need to mention is how about a whole team how about colleague racing Colic Racing, you can usually expect one car to finish in the top 10. Not one of them finished in the top 15. Granted, they finished 16th, 17th, and 18th, but AJ Allmendinger was leading 48 laps in this race. He had a really good car at the beginning of the half, and then in the second half, it felt like things just did not go in their direction, and they all finished one lap down. That is not a good performance by Colic Racing. Uh, you can definitely see that the Cup Series, um, adding on two cars to there, has kind of affected their Xfinity Series program. I mean, it's not severe. It's not like all of a sudden they were winning every single race and now they can barely make it into the top 20. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that at all. But you kind of notice that they're not the number one competitors in each race. When last year, it felt like you had A.J. Allmendinger having an opportunity to win um, at least half the races. Justin Haley in that number 11 having opportunities to win every single Super Speedway race races and also having a little bit of luck when he could get a chance at intermediate tracks. And then Jeb Burton, he did all right. He was a top 10 performer almost every single race. It just doesn't feel the same as it was last year for this team. So for them to have a race where they all finish outside the top 15, that stings. That stings for sure. 
overall, this race, it was a decent one. Like I said, if you were looking for more action up front, you didn't get that in this race. But, I mean, there was a little, definitely a lot of strategy going on. Maybe a bit of passing in between, like, 5th on to 15th. But overall, this race was definitely the Justin Allgaier show. Now let's move on to the main event, the one that everyone's talking about. It's time to look at the Cup Series race. This is race number 17 of the 2022 season. It's time to dive into the final results for the Ally 400 here at Nashville. Alrighty, so we had 36 cars enter into the cup race, all of them only being the charter cars. Once again, no open charter cars. You can definitely see here going into the summer stretch how much the part shortage affected quite a few of these uh, smaller teams because you're only just seeing them few and far between. I we I don't think we saw even an open charter car in the Coca-Cola 600. For a crown jewel event to only have 36 cars, yeah, we, we kind of expected this to happen here with the next-gen car. So it is what it is, but we only had 36 cars in this race. 10 cautions for 57 laps. Some of it was due to weather. Others was due to some incidents that happened out on the racetrack. So we got a little bit of mix of both. 18 lead changes among seven different drivers. There was definitely a lot of action going on up front in this race. In the end, though, it was a driver who kind of came up out of nowhere near the end of the race. He was in the top 10 for the whole part, but finally was able to wind up in the first position, winning on another concrete track. It's the number nine of Chase Elliott getting his second win of the 2022 season. He is able to win the 17th race of the 2022 season. Finishing second, we have the number 45 of Kurt Busch. Finishing third was the number 12 of Ryan Blaney. Finishing fourth, we have the number five of Kyle Larson. Finishing fifth was the number one of Ross Chastain. In the 6th spot was the number 11 of Denny Hamlin. Finishing 7th was Austin Sindrick in the number 2. Finishing 8th was the number 20 of Christopher Bell. In the ninth spot was the number 22 of Joey Logano. Ryan at the top 10 was the number 4 of Kevin Harvick. In the 11th spot was the number 43 of Eric Jones. In the 12th spot was the number 23 of Bubba Wallace. 13th was the number 34 of Michael McDowell. Finishing 14th was the number 3 of Austin Dillon. 15th the number 99 of Dan Suarez. Finishing 16th was the number 47 of Ricky Stenhouse Jr. 17th the number 10 of Eric Amarola. In the 18th spot was the number 8 of Tyler Reddick. Finishing 19th was the number 16 of AJ Allmendinger. And right out the top 20, we have the number 7 of Corey LaJoy. Some noticeable drivers finished outside the top 20. The number 18 of Kyle Busch finishes 21st and the number 19 of Martin Truex Jr. finishes 22nd after leading 54 and 82 laps together. Rough finishes there near the end. Moving down the roster, we have Brad Keselowski in the number 6 finishing 29th, just slightly ahead of his partner, the number 17 of Chris Busher. And then you all the way down, you got Chase Briscoe in the number 14 finishing 34th. William Byron in the 24th finishing 35th. Both those drivers suffered mechanical problems. And then you had the number 48 of Alex Bowman out due to a tire issue that put a lot of damage on his car. He was out by lap number 49 and he's credited with the 36th spot here in this race. And that is your final results here for the Ally 400 at Nashville. Okay, so we'll talk about Chase Elliott here in a moment. I mean, he's definitely going to be one of the biggest uh, takeaways here from this race. But I think the biggest takeaway for sure was NASCAR on their decision to keep the race going on Sunday rather than delaying it to Monday. Because if you were watching the race, lightning strikes happened in the early stages of the race and then the rain came in after the second call of lightning. So there was a long rain delay and it looked like the race was going to be called for the day and they were going to be racing the next day. But NASCAR never did that. They decided to keep it going all the way and they finished the race right around midnight for Eastern Standard Time. 
I don't know if I agree with that one. I mean, I felt like they were perfectly capable of running that on Monday, even though none of us like to see that. I think for the fans, that was just really hard for them because first off, they were there at the entire time, and then they had to keep going underneath the grandstands. And then most of them left at that point. And then when they heard that the race was still going to happen, it was like, oh, come on. So kind of a punch to the gut for them. Um, At least we were able to see a race on Sunday, I guess, for the most part. But for them to run that late is, I I don't agree with it too much. I think NASCAR needs to be a little bit smarter on that one because... You know, I bet a lot of people on the East Coast really miss the race because a lot of people have work on Monday. So it is what it is. What are you going to do? The lightning strikes drive me crazy. I know why they do it. It's for safety protocols. (laughs) But, I mean, when you see a lightning strike seven miles away and you know the storm is moving away, it's kind of like, oh, come on. Can it be like a 15-minute break? Does it have to be 30 minutes? Because it's 30 minutes if it's right above it, same uh, time length for if it's 8 miles away. Like, that drives me crazy. But, obviously, you don't want any situation to happen where you put the fans or drivers or pit crews in danger. So, again, I get it. I just got to gripe about it just a little bit. Also, the race was ran on NBC and USA Network, and you could clearly see a big difference in coverage. NBC did a great job um, explaining a lot of things that NASCAR fans had a lot of questions to. Most noticeably, the uh, lug nut issue, like what in the world has been going on. Fox never really gave us that, but NBC let us know very quickly what exactly was going on and how pit crew members can acknowledge when the lug nut is put in. That was really helpful, so I can greatly appreciate NBC doing that, and I'm kind of looking at Fox like, what the hell, guys? What were you guys doing? Also, the camera work was great. There wasn't really hardly anything missed. Fox has been notorious for doing that. So NBC in the first race already show that they are the strongest, net, stronger network compared to Fox. So <laughs> zero Fox, NBC one. Okay, now let's talk about the drivers. First one being the winner of the race, Chase Elliott. You know, with Chase Elliott, a lot of people kind of give him grief because they all thought, oh, he's just a road course king. He can only race at road courses, other races. He gets lucky here and there, but that's about it. I think he is starting to create an argument that when it comes to concrete racetracks, he is a great competitor as well because Dover, he's won there multiple times and he looked strong here in Nashville before he had his problems in the first race and then this race, he looked really good throughout the entire race. Now granted maybe moving on to the nighttime kind of helped him out. I, I know that Henrik Motorsports was struggling before that happened, but right when they made that change, man, it was all Chase Elliott, so... Maybe now Chase Elliott, I think he's been getting sick and tired of hearing that because we know how valuable of a driver he is. But uh, the average fan was saying, nope, he just does good at road courses. Even the commercials were kind of saying, don't worry, Chase Elliott, we got the road courses. And that's got to rub a driver the wrong way. I didn't even include him in fantasy rosters. I did not think it was going to be a factor, but he scores 50 points. Clearly proves me wrong. And now he's letting fans know, hey, I'm good at road courses. But I'm starting to look really good here at the concrete tracks. Keep an eye on him at Dover coming up. I think Dover has two races this year. They usually run around August. I think he's going to be a viable option there. And it's not going to just be limited to 
concrete tracks. I mean, you also got Bristol coming up as well. He's also showing that he's really good at intermediate tracks. So definitely a step in the right direction for him. But overall, the biggest win went to the Toyotas until with about 10 laps to go. <laughs> Toyotas really impressed us. I mean, Martin Trex Jr., who's been struggling this year, gets two stage wins, led, leads 82 laps, is the driver to beat, with his partner Denny Hamlin, them racing back and forth with each other. And then you had Kyle Busch running around the top three, and at the end, looked like he was going to be the driver to win the race. Toyotas did absolutely great, and then the pit strategies were the wrong call for them, and they were not able to contend for the win. In fact, only one Toyota finished in the top five, and that was Kurt Busch. Kurt Busch is definitely going to be one of those options for all the intermediate tracks moving forward because now it looks like 2311 has figured that out. But you also got to keep an eye on these Toyotas. For them to have this good of a race here, run really well at Kansas, run well at Charlotte, hey, when it comes to a mile-and-a-half track, maybe not counting Atlanta, but all the other ones, look out for the Toyota camp because they're starting to figure things out going into the summer stretch. I, I don't know if I would use them for your fantasy rosters for the road courses because that was a bad turnout, but they completely turned things around. And now Martin Trex Jr., who gets a re-signed contract for the 2023 season, now he is starting to get a second win and something he absolutely needed. So for you Trex fans, you're probably very excited to see him running near the front for the most part of this race it just sucks that the pit strategy did not work in their favor and the most upset person was kyle bush i mean look it up on youtube kyle bush actually ran the car up against the wall and slammed the wall for about half a lap i i'm i'm not even over exaggerating he literally was grinding the wall going in turns one and two and three and four I don't agree with that at all. I mean, you just created extra work for your team, and there's no reason to do that. Yes, I understand you're frustrated, but my goodness. I mean, you can't throw a fit like that and destroy your car near the end of the race. I mean, there's a parts shortage. You're going to screw over your team just because you had one bad pick call. I don't agree with that at all, and there's a reason why I'm not too much of a Kyle Busch fan because, yes, I understand he has uh, he has every right to vent his anger, but start destroying shit or start acting the way he does. It's like seeing a freaking child behind the wheel. It's, it's a joke. You're 30-something years old. Start acting like it. <laughs> Here's three drivers that turned our heads here in this race that we need to keep an eye on in case we need them for future fantasy picks. One being, obviously, Martin Trex Jr. I mean, great run for him. I don't know if Road America is going to be a great option for him just by how bad the Toyota struggled at Sonoma, but it's going to make you second guess for sure. Michael McDowell, once again, has another great run. Finish, runs around the top 10 for the most part of the race. Unfortunately, finishes 13th, but he had a top 10 car, and Front Row Motorsports definitely have something figured out with that number 13. Machine and Austin Sendrick, the rookie, starting to show how good of a driver he is. You, you're going to want to use him at Road America. I think he's going to be a good option there. But now he's starting to show at all the other racetracks why he was so dominant in the Xfinity series. He's already starting to figure it out. So watch out for that rookie here in the coming races. He might get a few more top tens, maybe even top fives. And I think in the next couple years, you're going to hear about him trying to make it into victory lane more often than not. And the one driver who let me down, hands down, Tyler Reddick, uh, he wasn't even a factor in this race. That really shocked me, and I wonder if RCR is now in a little bit of a slump right now because Tyler Reddick was the driver to beat for most races. He was always up there, and for him to struggle this bad, not be a 
mentioned hardly at all in this race. Quite a bummer for him and even Austin Dillon. At least Austin Dillon was able to finish in the top 15 when it was all said and done. Tyler Reddick finishes 18th. Just not a good showing by him. Overall, this was a fun race. I wish it could have been more condensed so you didn't have to wait six hours to see if NASCAR was going to restart the race or not. They did at the end. That's the only thumbs down I give it. But a lot of good battling up front. You had the Toyotas battling back and forth. You had 1.4 cars who had an opportunity to take the lead. Any given lap lots of fun and just something to enjoy with the next gen car anytime you see a racetrack between one mile to 1.5 you're in for a treat and nashville showed it And that will conclude the final results for today's episode. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Let's look at the final results here for our fantasy roster for the NASCAR field fillers at fantasygames.nascar.com. At Nashville, there was a lot going on there near the end. In the end, though, with 243 points, 243, absolutely huge. And that goes to Crazy Corrado. Congratulations to you, good sir. You've been on the show multiple times and you have some really great showings right here. I think this is like the second or third time you have finished first. And it wasn't like by like one point or two points. You always have a big gap. So good job for you, sir. Uh, Turn Sheen is able to finish second. Another good performance for him at 230 points. And then 224 going to Logan bowling in the third spot good job by you guys getting into the 200 mark we had a total of 11 people get into the 200 mark congratulations to all you guys making some smart picks here this weekend if you still want to join our league you can do so again that's fantasygames.nascar.com 44 members we started out this um, year at 24 people which i thought was incredible we've almost doubled that And then last year, we only had five people, including myself. So to see it grow this big, unbelievable. So much fun. I really enjoy these guys. And I just started painting the diecast cars, so photos should be coming up here within the next couple of weeks. I'm super excited to give that out to whoever wins it. Whoever wins it is going to be well-deserving. Right now, I'm still in the first position, though, at a solid 32-31. But Thundergun and Turn Sheen are catching up to my heinies rather quickly. So we shall see what happens. But man, oh man, lots of fun. Thank you guys so much for joining that. If you do want to watch daily videos from me, you can do so on TikTok at VanillaWafers40 or at Vanilla Wafers on YouTube. I post on both of those. At Vanilla Wafers on YouTube, I'm going to slowly but surely in the next coming weeks start posting bad seasons of NASCAR where I'm going to be talking about certain teams who we expected to do a lot better but had atrocious seasons. You guys enjoyed the worst teams in NASCAR history. That was a lot of fun to make. I think this one's going to be equally as fun because you're going to hear about a lot of teams and drivers that you've already seen in the Cup Series multiple times but you may have missed these seasons here and there and you're gonna be like what the hell happened there so that's gonna be a lot of fun but again tiktok for daily videos at vanilla wafers 44 and then youtube at vanilla wafers or twitter if you want to talk about racing you can do so there i'm at tyler v 33 that is my first name you can also look me up at the field filler podcast i pop up uh, there as well above all guys just thank you so much for tuning in every single week it's been a lot of fun i know i took that week off but now we're back going full throttle all the way in to the final race of the season which will happen at phoenix but above all guys thank you so much for listening to the best and trying out all the rest i have been able to fill up the last few remaining minutes of your time so i'm gonna take the car and pull it right on into pit road collect my last place winnings and i am out so you all take care this has been 
the Field Filler Podcast.